Welcome to No Time Like Now, where an aspiring artist and an aspiring filmmaker try to explain current events to you. I'm the aspiring filmmaker, Samano. And I'm the artist, Yasmin. And let's cue for music. <laughs> History. Yeah. Narrated by Yasmin. Yeah. Commentary by Sumana. <laughs> yeah. Originally, I was going to do like 1960s and 1970s, except there's just a lot that happens in the 1960s with the Stonewall riot mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm just going to pair 1970s with 1980s and stuff. And the 1990s. All right. Yeah. I'm just going to put all of that together. And then, I guess, like, current events and stuff. Since actually, there's a lot happening right now. Like, apparently, a couple of days ago, like, on June 15th, the Supreme Court ruled that, like, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you know, it stops employment discrimination based on, like, sexual orientation and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. So, basically, people can't discriminate uh, against LGBT people. Which, like, uh, I can't believe that wasn't, a, like, a ruling before. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know that, like, some states, I guess, still let people discriminate against LGBT people. LGBT people? LGTB people? <laughs> you got the letters. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter what order they're in. Um, but, yeah. So, that's a thing. Um, and then Trump is doing some weird stuff, or, like, at least on Instagram, you see, like, a lot of things flooding around about, like, there's something going on with adoption, I think. Um. Yeah, like, LGBT parents can't adopt, something like that. Yeah. They're, like, trying to bar. stupid, but okay. Like, what do they think, like, gay parents would be worse parents than uh, straight parents? I know a lot of straight parents who aren't good parents. Right. And there's obviously no evidence suggesting that so like you know they're just homophobic yes the end of it exactly and like also who are you to decide like you know parents are like i don't know i feel like if you were being adopted you would want to be adopted by anybody rather than nobody as long as they're like a decent human being right like exactly i don't know it's like, maybe you should talk to children about what they want. I don't know. Yeah, it's up to the kids, ultimately. Yeah. It's like when, it's like getting, it's like, it's like adopting, adopting a child is like adopting anything, like a pet or something. They have to like you first before you, like, you know, spend the rest of your life together. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, uh, is there anything going on with you? Not really. I mean, we saw each other yesterday, we so. We did see each other yesterday. <laughs> We had a social no, distancing uh, movie party thing. Yeah, that was fun. It was pretty fun. We watched The Sixth Sense and... Wait, Sumana had never seen The Sixth Sense before, so like, there's that big twist at the end. I mean, like at the beginning, I kind of thought, you know, like, since the kid, since the kid, like, you know, can see ghosts or whatever, 
I kind of figured like the ending would be re- like related to that. And then it turned out it did, but like the way they did it was like it was just too much. I was like, really? <laughs> I really liked movie? It. But yeah. I-, I-, I liked the movie. It was just like the ending. I was just like, really? But yeah. Turns out he was the ghost all along. Ooh. Yeah, it was ooh. It's pretty good. Our next our next movie will be Twilight. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a lot of fun. That is a significant uh decrease in quality. But I think the entertainment value is the same. It's more entertaining to watch bad movies than good movies, honestly. Right, because the commentary is, is very good. Yeah, because like bad movies, you can just laugh at them, but good movies, you have to like concentrate sit and watch it and then cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna start the 1960s stuff. Um, the 1960s. 1960s. You know what's going on in the 1960s, Sumana? Everything. Yeah, I've got pretty much civil rights movement. You got de- trying to get desegregation. You got Stonewall. Mm-hmm. And literally, isn't there like a war too? The Vietnam War? Yes, the Vietnam War is going on. Yep. Just the 60s were a time. Yeah. They uh, were a time. Uh, all of these things that are happening, these movements in the Vietnam War, is uh, definitely spurring the youth. I don't, I don't even know if I said that right. But it's making the youth definitely more rebellious and um, kind of like more anti-government or like kind of distrustful of the government. Um, mm-hmm. or at least a certain portion of the youth. Um, so the youth are rising up. Yes, rise up. Uh, They're gonna rise up. Okay, so you're exactly right with the civil rights stuff. A lot of that does play into LGBT history in the 1960s, and I will get to that in a second. There's just a couple things I forgot to mention with the 1950s. So in 1953, uh, President Eisenhower he signs this executive order that bans gay people or people guilty of sexual perversion from federal jobs uh this ban lasts for almost like two decades can you believe that well yeah it's crazy um and then also do you remember how i talked about the kinsey report Mm -hmm. so the kinsey report comes out in 1948 and it implies that homosexuality is a lot more common in normal society than thought uh well there's actually another paper or like um Another report published by uh, American psychologist Evelyn Hooker in 1956. Great last name. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Evelyn Hooker. <laughs> uh, so the paper's called The Adjustment of the Male Over Homer... Homer... Homer? Homer Simpson? No, just kidding. Homosexual. Homosexual. Um, Homosexual. So she publishes this, or she shares it, at the American Psychological Association Convention in Chicago in 1956. Um, and her research basically says that homosexuality is not a disorder and that uh, hetero and homosexuals do not differ significantly. Um, her, you know, her experiment becomes very influential in the medical, uh, in, in like, with like medical perceptions of homosexuality. So she's, cha- she's out here changing things. Good for her. Um, I love that. That study definitely plays a part in having uh, homosexuality eventually removed from the DSM, which is the di- I for- I forgot what the initials or like what the initials stand for, but it's fine. It's just that manual that psychologists use for like disorders and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
Okay, so the civil rights movement in the 1960s, uh, it begins to pick up steam with Little Rock Nine, the lunch counter sit-ins in 1960, Martin Luther King doing all his cool stuff, um, and some legislation starts to get passed in the 1960s as well uh, with, like, civil rights movement. So one of the legislations is um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Have you heard of the Civil Rights Act of 1964? Yeah, I remember learning it in history class. Right. It's really, like, probably, like, one of the biggest, like, I guess, acts or whatever that I feel like we're taught in U.S. history. It basically outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements. So, basically, everyone needs an equal chance to vote. Um, and you can't be racially segregated in schools, in your job, or public places. Um, so that's cool. It's a law, but are people enforcing it? <laughs> that's debatable. And obviously, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 clearly wasn't being enforced until the ruling in 2020, June 15th, for LGBT people. So, like, you know... We've been doing unconstitutional things for a while. Yep. We suck. We suck. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the early 60s, small victories are uh, obtained, I guess. Uh, LGBT newspapers are allowed to run, and people begin to open up about issues regarding the LGBT community. So basically, there's this one uh, case in 1958. So it's called uh, One Inc. versus Olson. It ruled that uh, the LGBT magazine, uh, it's called One, the homosexual magazine, was protected mm -hmm. by the First Amendment. Because what happened was, originally, it was accused of being obscene under Roth versus the United States. Roth versus the United States was this case where it was like, basically what was ruled was obscenity was not protected by the First Amendment. So like, if you are passing out material commercially and it's like, you know, in the pro-pro, it's not protected in by the first amendment. <laughs> it's not protected by the First Amendment, and you can be punished for it. Basically, what happened was uh, in One Inc. versus Olson, it was ruled that, you know, th they, had, they were protected under the First Amendment because it's actually not obscene to publish this magazine. So it was like the first ruling in favor of the gays, which is basically like their freedom of press and their freedom of speech. So that's cool. Wait, so. That that magazine was, um, it was blocked by the First Amendment because of obscenity. It was is blocked by the court case Roth versus the United States. They said actually it's protected by the First Amendment and it doesn't fall under the category of obscenity. Then what about Playboy magazine? <laughs> T. <Tea. laughs> I'm I'm just saying, bro. Like. Yeah. Because, like, when you said that, I was like, obscenity. Wait, I know a magazine that's like that. <laughs> um, like, why isn't they, why didn't that get blocked or anything? Yeah. Yep. It's because of homophobia. But thankfully, they did rule in favor of it in this court case. And so uh, they were allowed to continue producing their magazine. Uh, Yay. Yay. Love that. Also, in 1962, Illinois becomes the first state to decriminalize homosexuality so in 1962 r right so mm -hmm. it's actually a crime to, <laughs> to do anything that's like homosexual um, in public 
No, in general. Or in general. Well, how they're going to know if you're, like, in your house and, like... I know, right? Like... Hanging the, out. And also, like, the, this, there's this idea of, like, right to privacy, which was, like, pretty big in the 1950s and 60s. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how they could charge you, but, like, it was just a thing. Like, there was these laws where, which are basically, like, you can't do certain intimate things or whatever. Um, so, Illinois becomes the first in 1962 to decriminalize that. Uh, there's another court case that happens called Lawrence versus Texas. Basically, this mm-hmm. is the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that uh, American laws prohibiting private, like, homosexual activity between consenting adults are unconstitutional. So these laws, also known as uh, sodomy laws. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I know what those are. Yeah. Okay. Basically, it's saying that all of them, all of these state sodomy laws are unconstitutional. Do you want to know when this court case was? I want you to guess. When, when do you think Lawrence versus Texas was ruled? It was during the 60s, right? No, it was not. Oh, dang. Um, Was it the 70s or the 80s? No. Oh, before that? No, no, it's after. Oh, oh, snap. Oh, Lawrence versus Texas, I think. Dang, was that? I, I feel like that's recent then. It's more recent. You're right. It is more recent. Like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there. 2015? 2003. 2003. Okay. A little bit too far. <laughs> um, but dang. Yeah. So, so what So what did that rule exact, exactly? So that basically, it ruled that any sodomy laws are unconstitutional. And that happened in 2003. So 14, during that time, in 2003, 14 states still had laws that criminalized homosexual activity basically said it was a crime wow yeah so so for like 30 years basically people were uh criminalized for just liking the same sex or being attracted to not even it's not the norm not even for 30 years that 30 years was so illinois they decriminalized it in 1962 and then from 1962 to 19 to 2003, some states start to decriminalize it, but 14 states haven't by 2003. So before then, all states had criminal laws for homosexuality. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's... It's not, cra- it's not hard to believe, but, like, that is kind of sad. I can't, like, 2003, it just, like, I was alive then, so, like, it just feels so weird that, like... I mean, you're barely, like... I know, but still, it's, like... 21 or 2. It feels so backward for, two, like, for 2003. I know it was, like, almost 20 years ago, but still. Wow, it was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, bro. We're old. <laughs> we were a little bit old. Damn. Um. Okay, so, going back to the civil rights movement... Do you remember what the lunch counter sit-ins were? Yeah, that it was. Um, it was like a bunch of kids were at like this cafe or something like that, and then like a riot broke out. Sort of, yes. After that, basically they were just sitting at these like white-only lunch counters, and like they just sat there like all day, you know, because they wanted to be served. But um, and it actually inspired an event known as the Sippins in 1966. So, the Sippins in 1966, basically, do you remember the Mattachine Society from last episode? Mm-hmm. So, basically, three members of the Mattachine Society 
uh, in New York, they start to enter bars. And so they go to two bars. And what they're hoping for is because they're gay, they're hoping that they will reject, like the the bartenders will reject um, serving them drinks. They're like, they won't serve them drinks. Um, but for some reason, they just did serve the men drinks. And they're like, oh, well, uh, this didn't work. Uh, so they go to a third bar. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be, this'll be good, because they already got raided, uh, like a couple of days ago, so they're gonna be scared to serve us gay people, so we're gonna go there. <laughs> um. But they're hoping to not be served? Yeah. Cause they're, cause they, okay, so I'll explain it a bit. So basically, they go to the third bar, and they're like, hey, by the way, did you know, we gay, um, and... The people are like, oh, yeah, then of course we're not going to serve you. We just got raided like a couple days ago. And these Madachine Society members are like, how? We got you. We got you. Um, and so they're trying to get evidence that people are discriminating against the gays and won't serve them and stuff. And so here's oh, some. I see. Yes. Um, and so here's some context as to why people are, are being discriminated at bars and stuff like that. Uh, gay bars, uh, and I, I guess bars in general, but I think gay bars were often raided by agents of the state liquor authority. So there's this, like in New York, there's a state liquor authority or something. Basically, they had a regulation against serving homosexuals in bars because there was this idea that they were disorderly. Um, because uh-huh. apparently intimate encounters between two men were disorderly. So they were refused service at bars. Um, and bars that did serve homosexuals they had there was this risk of having your liquor license removed so that's why people didn't want to serve like gay people because then like their business could be on the line um, yeah and so the reason this these police raids are happening and like there's this whole thing against homosexuals being in bars is because um because of the mayor uh his name is robert f w- wagner um and basically the reason he's doing this is because the world's fair uh, is happening like it starts in 1964 and it prompts him to essentially do a cl- like a quote-unquote cleanup of new york city to make it more welcoming so basically he oh. wants to he wants to like cleanse the area of the lgbt community interesting so that's why these people the madison society they're going into these bars and being like hey we gay um and don't serve us so that we can get proof i don't know if they call up the press or the press just like gets on it i i i would assume they call the press because i feel like that's a pretty smart move but anyway anyway uh so they do get covered by the press and then the state liquor authority which is like the people who are being like if you serve gays then we're gonna revoke your license they're like oh we're we're not discriminating what us discrimination who discrimination is discrimination is bad we don't don't do that (laughs) they say like you know what? We're just going to blame the bartenders. Only the, like the bartenders are the people who can choose whether or not to serve people, not us. We don't de- we don't decide anything. We're just here. We're the good people of America. Discrimination? No. Um so yeah, that's the state liquor authority. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds like a bunch of BS, but okay. Yep. Uh so basically the Commission of Human Rights kind of gets involved. Um, basically they're saying that like homosexuals, they have a right to be served in bars and that this uh, discrimination, the state liquor authority should no longer view 
homosexuals as disorderly. Um, so afterwards, these gay patrons were allowed, you know, a freedom that they, like, certain freedoms that they couldn't have before because, you know, of all this discrimination. So these raids that happened by the police on bars, uh, for a couple years, they are minimized and, uh, people are allowed to keep their licenses and serve the gays. This lasts for a few years, but I think the raids start to pick back up around the time of the Stonewall Riot in 1969. So I think that's kind of like what's building up to the Stonewall Riot, uh, among many other things. My thoughts on this was like, because of this victory in 1966, uh, with the Sippins and like they're finally able to take part in bar activity, uh, without, you know, fear of, you know, being arrested, you know, that's a taste of freedom. And like the fact that the, the Stonewall Inn gets raided, um, you know, you don't want to, like, once you give people freedom, taking it away is, um, it, it's not a good idea. So, yeah, that's probably why there was such a large reaction because bars before the Stonewall Inn were definitely raided and people were arrested, but there was never any sort of like, there, no one ever like really stood up to the police, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the manner that they did with the Stonewall Inn. So that's like the, that's like 1960s, and then we're going to get to 1969 with the Stonewall Riot. Dang, that was a lot. Yeah. So this is the thing that, like, everyone talks about, or everybody knows about, is the Stonewall Riot. It's so influential because, honestly, it's the thing that started Pride. Um, All right. Okay. So, so even though, like, being served at bars and stuff is, like, okay, uh, engaging in, like, gay behavior in public... Uh, was still illegal, so, you know, police still raid gay bars because, you know, they can arrest people who are, like, cross-dressing or dressed in drag or they're gay or whatever or something like that. And then also, you know, they kind of, like, start ignoring the whole thing about, like, you can't discriminate against people anymore because they're gay. And so they start... Like, so they start raiding bars that operate without liquor licenses and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Stonewall Inn and a lot of gay bars in the area, they're owned by the mafia. And so the mafia is kind of like paying off some police officers so that they won't raid the Stonewall Inn. Or like they do raid the Stonewall Inn, but like the mafia gets tips on like when they're going to come so they can like hide stuff. Love that for the mafia. Obviously, they're not doing... The mafia isn't doing this for, like, out of goodwill. They want to make money, and this is a perfect opportunity to. So what's special about the Stonewall Inn is it kind of acts as this community center for gay youth um, that were homeless, and they kind of, like, because a bunch of gay youth are coming to New York City because they're getting kicked out of their homes, and they're like, oh, maybe I can find my people in New York, but then they just end up being homeless with other gay people. So a lot of them flock to the Stonewall Inn as a place to just, like, vibe and chill. And then also at a lot of bars, you have to be 18 to buy a drink or even, like, go in. And a lot of gay life revolves around bars. The Stonewall Inn, I think partly because it's owned by the mafia, there's a lot of rules. You know, you can just pass by. And it's also, I, I believe the Stonewall Inn, it was pretty cheap. Like, I think it was, like, $3 or something. Also, back in the day, it was, like, everything was cheap. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So you have this entire, this whole, like, you have this entire homeless population in New York. That's just uh, LGBT youth. And honestly, this is still a problem today. Uh, I I read where apparently like 40%, apparently like around 40% of clients 
served by youth service agencies are LGBT. Um, and a lot of reasons why they're homeless is because they just get kicked out by their parents. So obviously that intolerance that was felt in the 1960s towards like children who were LGBT is still somewhat felt today. So yeah, that's sad. <laughs> Damn. So the Tuesday before uh, the Stonewall riot, the police had conducted a raid and arrested employees as well as confiscated alcohol. Confiscated? Confiscated alcohol. <laughs> Con- confiscated. I don't know where that came from. Uh, and so that, I think they had gotten a tip, tip off, like a tip for that. For the Stonewall in riot kind of like um, raid, there was no tip off. There was no warning. A bunch of policemen just came undercover and they arrest employees and they arrest patrons. So they arrest drag queens and cross-dressing patrons. So it's a, it's a crime. And also, like, I heard that, like, like it's so messed up. They would take anyone who was dressed like a lady and they would take them to the bathrooms and, like, check to see if they were actually a lady or not. To see oh if they God. were committing a crime. No. Yeah. No. I, I saw, I read somewhere, though, that it was, like, female cops. But, I mean, does that really make it much better? That, that doesn't. It doesn't make any any better. They're still yeah. doing horrible things. Um. Anyway, that's just an invasion of privacy. Okay, so more officers start to arrive with their <laughs> their paddy wagons, and they begin putting employees and patrons inside them paddy wagons. Um. And so all the patrons who aren't arrested, and then they're and then just like the community around them, they start forming a crowd around the Stonewall Inn, and they're like watching the police. And so what happens is one one woman is being like shoved in the paddy wagon by a by an officer and he like is being like really violent and so she shouts to the onlookers and she's like somebody do something like something like that mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden like the crowd just erupts and like they begin throwing things at the cops um Oh damn yeah, and it's crazy. Nobody is entirely sure who threw the first blow like from the protester side. Uh, some people's some people say it was Marsha P. Johnson. I read about that and like Marsha den- like she denies it. Um Yeah, and like she was like, Oh, I didn't do it, but like She's people- like, actually I showed up a lot later. <laughs> yeah, but like she's still like a very prominent figure. Yeah, for sure. Stonewall. Her and like S- like Sylvia Rivera. Yes. Actually I talk about those two people. You're going um, to? Yes. Yeah. I love how you already know them. I mean that's I see the key. Yeah, well, I mean, because it's Pride Month, I see a lot of uh, threads on Twitter talking about prominent LGBT people in history, and I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. Right. I read about it. I love Instagram because it's just so accessible. You just click on something, and it takes you to, like, ten slides of information. You're like, this is so good. Yes, get that information. <laughs> get that information. Okay, so this is on June 28th. Uh, uh, like, pa- it's past midnight, June 28th, like, early morning um so people were just like going at it they're yelling like gay power and stuff like that um and it's pretty awesome this protest and revolt it lasts for six days um and it's just mm-hmm. a battle between the law enforcement and the, the entire community um in christopher park and christopher like christopher street which is where uh the stonewall inn is located mm-hmm and so <laughs> police are like, they're like freaking out and they're super surprised because they're like, wait, these like LGBT people, we weren't expecting them to respond at all. Like, because there's this like perception that like gay people are sh- ashamed and fearful and 
you know, uh, stereotype that they're very like feminine and passive when in reality, like they're just standing up for their rights and they're like, yeah, they're all fighting against authorities. And just like proving these stupid cops wrong. Um, exactly. So some key figures that kind of like rise during the Stonewall riots uh, are Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. And so Marsha P. Johnson, uh, she becomes an icon after the riots and she does a, a lot of like great things. She She's quoted as saying like, we were throwing over cars and screaming in the middle of the street because we were so upset because they like closed that place. Uh, and she says this uh, in an interview in 1989 to historian Eric Marcus. One thing is because she's a transgender woman, even in the gay community, you know, there's that struggle to be accepted because like the gay community excludes trans people and excludes people of color during this mm. time. Yeah. Um, she did help found the Gay Liberation Front and she also formed STAR, which is the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and she formed it with Sylvia Rivera. She opens the STAR house with her in, and uh, I don't know when, I, I didn't write it down. <laughs> um, but basically it's a shelter for homeless LGBTQ youth. Um, so that's really cool. Um, yeah. And then she she died at 46 in 1992. The police, of yeah, course. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, she, the police say it was suicide, but friends, like, refute that, and they're like, um, I don't think so. So her case was reopened in 2012. And did they ever solve it? I don't think so. Wow. And then there's another key figure who is Sylvia Rivera, and she's a Latina drag queen, so she's also a POC. Um, she also died pretty young, too, I think. She dies in the 2000s, I think. Um, So basically... She took part in the Sunwell riots, and apparently she may have thrown, like, the second Molotov cocktail uh, in a protest against a police raid. Um, she also helps found the Gay Liberation Front. Um, she's very well known for her speech uh, in, I think, 1973. It's called, like, the Y'all Better Quiet Down speech, yeah. because basically what happened was there was, like a like, a pride rally in 1973. And what happened was, like, so this, like, LGBT movement is being led by, like, gay middle-class white men as well as, like, lesbian feminists. And they don't really understand or they they don't care about, like, you know, the struggles of transgender people. And they they aid in marginalizing these groups in the gay community, like, people of color and, you know, transgender people. And so what happens is... During this, like, Pride event, she's trying to get on stage, and everyone's booing, like, super loud and making such a racket, and so, finally, she's able to get up on stage, and she basically just goes off, and it's it's amazing, and it's very upsetting, because basically she's like, I've done so much for the community, and this is how you treat me? You guys are, like, booing me right now? Um, Don't so, boo me. Oh, wait, who was saying it? Sylvia? Yeah. Oh yeah, don't boo her. She's, she's right. <laughs> wait, did you did wait, wait? Were you speaking from like the perspective of like some like someone in the crowd? Like, don't boo her. She's right. <laughs> um, that, that would have been me. Uh, but basically, because of that event, she leaves the activist scene for about twenty years because you know something like that really could break. Like, it breaks you down. So 
yeah, if people don't care about you and they're not going to listen to you, then you don't feel like you're doing anything. Or it's like, what's the point if, like, if you're still going to treat me this way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really disheartening. Um, it happens in New York City at the Christopher Street Liberation Day rally, um, 1973. And it's, there's definitely still a struggle within the movement. And I think there is still today. But, you know, despite their exclusion, both Rivera and Johnson, they work very hard to include, like, queer people of color, uh, people with def- different, like, uh, gender identities and stuff like that into, mm-hmm. you know, civil rights and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I read this thing where it's like they're, like, during this time, LGBT activists are looking for more, quote unquote, acceptable leaders for the media to, like, present in front of the media and apparently marcia p johnson and sylvia rivera are not good enough for the media according to Uh these yeah i wonder why (laughs) because we're racist yeah i yeah that's like i guess kind of one of the qualms i have about stonewall is like even though like it's all about you know fighting for lgbt rights it's like lgbt rights for a specific group of lgbt people Mm mm-hmm and then, like, Marsha and Sylvia, they had to take it upon themselves to fight for their communities. For sure. And then, like, they don't get back up either. Like, that's kind of stupid. Right. And it's like, they're just, just recently, I think, they're getting more well-known for, you know, their contributions to the movement. Yeah, because nowadays we have, there's, like, a stronger um, LGBT POC presence for and sure. Like, and then especially with recent recent events with like Black Lives Matter movement and happening like during June, which is Pride Month, people are like becoming more educated about POC and um, Black LGBT figures in history. So I think it's great that they're getting the recognition now. It kind of sucks that they didn't get it back then. It just makes me so upset, especially like the fact that like Sylvia Rivera was so disheartened that, like, she just leaves the activist scene for 20 years. Because she did a lot of great things. Like, Founding Star was great, and the Star House was great. I'm sure it helped a lot of people. I'm sure, yeah. So, the legacy of Stonewall is basically the Gay Liberation Front gets founded. Um, and basically, this movement, the LGBT movement, becomes united. It's not just a they're, we're not just like trying to establish a presence or, you know, be open about issues. No, this is about getting rights now and fighting mm-hmm. for rights and fighting for our place at the table. That's exactly. what it is. In 1970, this is after, like, it's the one year anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Uh, New York City community members, they start marching through streets and holding up banners and basically doing like a parade. Uh, so this is named the Christopher Street Liberation Day because Christopher Street is where the Stonewall Inn was. Um, Mm -hmm. and the march is considered the first, like, gay pride parade uh, in the U.S. And the official chant of the parade was, say it loud, gay is proud. Um. Hey, that's nice. So I guess you could say, yeah, that's where pride comes from. Um, and then also, this is just really fun. Uh, apparently in 2016, Obama, he designated the site of the riots a national monument to recognize the area's contribution to gay rights. Can we, can I just mm-hmm. say real quick, Obama did a lot of great things during his, pre- or like during his presidency, a lot of really good things happened for, uh, you know, the LGBT community, like gay marriage, stuff like that. Yeah. 
Like he was very pro LGBT, and I really, I really appreciate that. Too bad our current president isn't quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> our booty leader. The booty leader himself. Booty leader. Um. But yeah. So that is the 1960s. Everything. Everything happens at the end of the decade. To right. be honest. No, it really does. <laughs> it's like it's like a movie, like you know, the beginning, the beginning of the decade is like the build up, then in the middle it's the climax, and the end is like the big finale. That's basically the '60s, though, like in terms of LGBT history. So it'd be really cool if like someone made a series just called the 1960s, and like there was like nine episodes, and each episode was like eight, like one of like 1961, 1962, 1963, like a documentary. Yeah, like that would be so cool. I feel like that's basically what CNN does, though. But not CNN, though. But not CNN. <laughs> oh, also, um, my brother and I we watched Just Mercy. <gasps> yes, I love that movie. I actually got to, I actually got to see it, uh, in a pre-release before it was open to the public, which was really cool, and I really liked it. What did you that's think about awesome. it? That's awesome. I really enjoyed it. The storytelling was very good. I actually read the book a couple years ago, but I don't remember a lot of it. All I remember is the book, because it was there was so much information, I know it was a lot harder to follow. But the movie made it very easy and very concise. Of course, it didn't have as much information, and I'm sure a lot of things were, or like some things were a little bit um, cinematic. I don't know uh, how well, to say that. Like, like more dramatic for... yeah. But no. make a storytelling interesting. But wow, it was a very good movie. Very well done. Very emotional. Like, uh, there was that one scene where the poor guy, um, the Vietnam veteran, I forget his name. Oh my god. When he dies, I was like holding back tears. My brother was sitting there and I was holding back tears because I was like, I swear to god, if he sees me cry, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Because like, I don't know. To me, crying during movies is a very embarrassing thing for me. But well, I, yeah, I straight up, I straight up sobbed during Avengers Endgame in the theater. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so funny during Avengers Endgame because I watched it on a school. Oh, I rewatched it on a school trip because for some reason we all wanted to watch Endgame. The entire like group on the trip, and so we watched it. And th- in the movie theater, I just hear like it's like quiet, but I just hear like everybody around me just like sniffling. And it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> sorry, okay, I didn't cry. Nice to know so. you don't have human feelings. So I don't have human. No, I do. But yeah, Just Mercy, like Sadness I isn't se- one of them. Just Mercy, I seriously recommend because it's also a true story. You know, you think only those things actually happen in fiction or like in and and like law sh- law shows, lawyer shows. I don't know, but it doesn't. That happens in real, real life, and people shows. dedicate. Yeah, people are dedicating their lives to like stopping all of these injustices also if you're concerned about police brutality and how the police how the system works this is a great uh movie to show you just how corrupt the police is oh yeah especially in the south like i it takes place in alabama i believe so like so like one not surprised that this whole thing went down but also it just shows you like how corrupt like not just the police, but, like, the state government was also, like, super corrupt, and they would do anything to make a, to make the black man the villain, which was, like, it was super frustrating to watch in Just Mercy, but, like, at the end, when um, 
the uh, Jamie Foxx's character. I forgot his name. Uh, Jamie Foxx's character, like he gets Walter. Walter. His name Walter. <laughs> yeah, I just like I was just like Walter. Yeah. Um, when when Walter gets justice, it's just so satisfying to see that. Because like throughout the movie, it's such an uphill battle. Like every time he's like he has an avenue to maybe get him a trial or you know uh persuade the judge or something it's always just like denied 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 something like that so man I'm just I, what do you mean denied it's like are you kidding me like obviously he didn't do it how could you deny him and like that's just racism like it's, it's straight so up crazy. racism that's just straight up racism like it's a it's a system and people they have too much pride to admit they're wrong and it's like it's like but at the cost of of like a human life like oh yeah there's people like that out there unfortunately it really be like that bro mm-hmm. well anyway thanks so much for listening to our listeners um stay tuned for the next episode i will be trying to cover uh just like a little bit of the 1970s uh probably just 1979 and then the 80s and 90s so the aids crisis um, I think it's Ooh. super important to talk about because it's it's AIDS. there's this there's this victory in the sixties and seventies and then it AIDS is completely devastating to the community. So uh definitely gonna talk about that. And then uh Sumana and I will be recording our LGBT media episode soon. Um Oh that's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited, excited for that. I'm excited. Um so yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then after LGBT stuff, we will be moving on to other stuff. Uh, we were talking about, or I said maybe we should do like a episode about Muslim genocide because that's something a lot of people don't know about. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's something that gets super. Uh, that that's like super under the radar and no one knows about. Only everyone knows about Yemen, but like there's so much other stuff happening. So and people we'll are only now learning about the sorry i just cut you off um uh, that's okay <laughs> i was just gonna say people are only learning now about uh the chinese like uh the chinese concentration camps for the yeah, uh, yeah the uyghur the uyghur yeah. concentration camps because of that book that was published about trump it's my brother just said the name of it but i forgot it's called the room where it happens but basically something like that yeah but basically in that book it, it talks about how trump meets with the president of china and like they talk about the uyghur concentration camps and that's the only reason it's coming into the public view right now because yeah not see- when not when the muslims talk about it but when trump has something to do with it people are all like exactly oh, now we're angry and i'm like okay yeah At so we'll definitely angry. we're definitely very passionate about that and we're definitely going to do it hopefully our next episode will be about that if not it'll probably be about something else important <laughs> We're going to try to get all the... We're going to hit all the points as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Because this one hits close to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe, share this with anybody you knew, you know who's passionate about this subject or who's passionate about current events. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye! Bye!